podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests are sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blues. Hello, this is the Blue Room. This is end of season review the season has been over for eight days now i'm joined by paddy boyland and adam jones and we are going to drink to its demise while we record this podcast uh, paddy how are you doing i'm good better now the season's over i have to say i can't believe you're making us revisit it again it feels like i'm having to go back through the trauma well, i feel like we time. we need to focus on the funnier moments because otherwise yeah. otherwise it will just be a depressing i've done all i can it's like yeah. Make you comfortable. Do you oh, know, like yeah, people yeah. use those words. Like, we're going to make you as comfortable as possible. Yeah. Like you know, we're in a nice beer garden in a great pub in town. You're starting to sound like Holly <laughs> First of all, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, are you okay? <laughs> Hopefully, this is a cathartic experience for you as well. Um, That's very euphemistic as well. Make you comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 done. It's done now. Um, we were just sort of saying how. How nice it's been this weekend to not really think about them yeah. that much at all, and it's um, it's just very nice, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, yeah. I've really enjoyed the last few days. Like I was saying to you before, I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in a state of zen at the minute, where I've just not had to think about it until right now. Sorry, obviously. again. <laughs> I've just not had to think about it at all, and it's just been, it's just been nice. Sort of weight lifted off the shoulders. It's just been. Very nice. Uh, enough of that, man. Let's, let's, let's get back into it all. Um, I just thought, like, I want to sort of divide it into, like, four bits. And, like, one was the summer, one was Lampard, one was early dice, and one was the run-in. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And before all that, before we get into all that, I just wanted to get a, a minute from each of you just reviewing the season and what happened, why it happened, and how it made you feel. So, Adam, I'll, I'll come to you first. <laughs> how, how do you look back on it all overall? <laughs> it's been a very interesting season for me personally because obviously I started the season in a very different circumstance than the one I ended the season. Started the season having Everton be every waking minute of my life. And that was that was not great. Got <laughs> got to the end of September and I thought, yeah, this is this is the time. And to be honest, I never I never once thought that I'd I'd not left at the right time. Like <laughs> there's yeah. not once over the over the last few months where I was going, do you know what I'd love to be doing right now? Reporting on Evan. You know, <laughs> like through the downfall of Lampard. Paddy's squirming in his seat here. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the shocking January transfer window, headlock gate. Like no part of it made me think, yeah, I'd love to be reporting on that right now. So I feel was, seen, but he's right. Yeah, what I mean that's why, that's why I feel that's why I feel a bit strange about this season because obviously this season has been dreadful but I've always been able to look at it going well at least I'm not reporting on it anymore <laughs> could be worse yeah. could be paddy like, yeah. so yeah I, I feel like I've got a, a, a sort of unique insight on the season in that sense but yeah like in, in general it was just 
an absolute roller coaster of emotions right up until the last second of the last game. And I sincerely hope that whatever happens, like next season, I either want us to be down with like five games to go, <laughs> or like safe with ten games to go, something like that. Like I, I just I can't have another relegation battle this season, please, please. I think I said this to you before, Matt. I said like if Everton are going to go down, and obviously I don't want that to happen. But if Everton are to go down. I want them to crash and burn. Don't go down. Don't go down fighting lads. Don't, 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 don't go down like in an agonising last day defeat or draw against Bournemouth, where you're waiting on results elsewhere. And in the end, that's exactly what we got, isn't it? So, in that sense, obviously quite traumatic, quite turbulent. In a personal sense, I think it's probably quite a bruising season for everybody associated with the club. In so far as, if you imagine this as kind of a black hole that's sucking everybody in. At some point in the season, everybody's ended up in that vortex, struggling to get out. And that, that, that's not just the players, but I think it's management, senior management, the board, the owner, journalists like ourselves at times have got it. Uh, in some cases, probably rightly so. In other cases, maybe not so fairly. I just feel as, every, as though every, it, it, it kind of marked all of us. Yeah. Um, and I don't actually feel as though I'm entirely over it, to be honest, <laughs> in terms of that. Um, so I woke up the day after the Bournemouth game and I was just tired. It, 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 there wasn't elation, I was relieved. And I watched the do. I, I must have watched the Ducore goal about 100 different times. Absolutely love the Everton YouTube video that shows you it from all the different angles because you always spot something different, whether it's kind of Tarkovsky running off to Pickford or the Gladys Street going absolutely mad or Amadou Onana stumbling over and falling into the camera at one point. Or it's, it's all great content, right? Yeah. But um, I think for. For me, at that point, I just woke up the day after. And I, was like, I, I am relieved. I'm really glad Everton have stayed up, but I can't do this again. It's just, it's tiring. Um, I was exhausted, and I'm not entirely ready to start it all again. So the the break is well needed, and I think it's well needed for everyone. It's not like not just for ourselves as journalists, because we're not the main protagonists here. The main protagonists are the people at the club. And I think it's, it's now time to kind of sit down and think through what Everton represents, what it needs to be, what it can be, and what comes next. If they're going to get out of this, this kind of cycle they've got into, this seemingly perpetual cycle where they just circle the drain all the time, there needs to be something more than that. that that's probably my overriding feeling from this season. I think it was, I think it was Moses, you said on the post-match, like after Palace, it was like, you felt like he'd go out dancing all night, whereas after Bournemouth, it was like, just take me home to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me sleep for like hours. It, it, it was a bit like that, but um, I'll, I'll come back to you on, on this one first, Paddy, because obviously we were sat here 12 months ago in this similar situation again. Um, there, were, there was activity at the, the club in terms of Tarkovsky coming in early, but then it went on for ages before we actually signed anybody else, didn't it? Um, Anana, Garner, McNeil and Mopey obviously coming in. Um, but I suppose in some sense the signs were there a bit in pre-season where they, they, this was not going to be a nice time again. You know, We had that game against Kiev where we won 3-0. Um, we beat Blackpool 4-2 um, as well. But I think the one that stands out for all of us is that Minnesota game, isn't it? And losing, losing full there, 4-0 there and thinking this is still nowhere near being right. Well, I think in terms of personnel and tactics... It was quite clear there that there was something wrong. Um, obviously incumbent on Lampard to try and change that and go down a different course. 
and I think he did change formation after that. He'd been set on four at the back up to that point, but then started the season with five at the back. And then abandoned that. With three centre-backs. And yeah, that, that's another theme of the season, just going between Somebody formations. what he's doing, willy-nilly. I mean, yeah. yeah, as we saw at Chelsea. Um, so, the, so there was that. But I think, for me, the fear kind of set in quite early. And it's like, you've, we're talking now about respite after the... the the season's finished and we're now kind of early June and he got until the middle of August normally before a season starts but very quickly after the season finished we started to hear about how there needed to be a big sale to in quotation marks here and big quotation marks satisfy FFP requirements right <laughs> and you're thinking it's going to be it's going it's going to have to be Richarlison because Calvert-Lewin's always injured and probably nobody else would command the money that it takes to get out of this and from that point on I think there was always a looming sense of dread as to what the season would hold because I don't think Richarlison could be replaced you, you look at what he meant as a, as a player on the pitch he was a goal scorer he was also a talisman in terms of when he scored the goals so crucial during that run in and keeping Everton up last season but also reflect on this season if Everton had gone into the final day against Bournemouth without Calvert-Lewin. Richarlison ordinarily would have been the man to step into the yeah. boots there. So you're almost losing two players, bizarrely. A Brazil international, Brazil's number nine, won loads of stuff, absolutely loves the club, the fans love him. And because of where Everton have finished that season, they're never going to be able to replace him with anybody anywhere near as good. So I think that for me, like I've, I, when we wrote our review of the season, a long piece on the season, which was about 4,000 words, we asked loads of people what what you put this season down to and a lot of the same stuff kept coming back and it was like well we, we just survived and then we sold our best player and how do you get better from there and I think that's probably my summation of where it all went wrong it all started to unravel before that June the 30th deadline with FFP yeah. um, Adam I think I remember it's one of my very first shifts for the Echo and we covered it overnight this game uh, <laughs> it was just like what's going on and I think we sort of uh, you know, sort of macabre sort of way. We're like, at least neither of us are there. Like Joe Thomas was covering it live, and and Paddy was. I mean, to be honest, uh, I thought we were might we were probably worse off. Like at least, <laughs> at least it was quite warm for Joe. He was like off 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 in the exactly. He was off in the states. He was having a lovely lovely little time apart from the game, obviously. And then we were just like, I was just sat on the couch, like with. A live stream which notoriously Everton can't really run the, these pre-season live streams at the best of times so it was it was pretty dodgy to say the least and How much of it did you actually see because with the Everton live streams it does buffer quite a lot so I think I think for the first half it was okay when we were conceding all the goals and then the second yeah. half it started to <laughs> yeah, the second half it started to falter a little bit I'd, I'd say it's all the majority of the game maybe someone I from saw the club enough. was just maybe someone from the club was just pulling on wires so I no just... one could watch it at that point like oh yeah. god I think everybody's seen enough of this yeah. now but... I'd, see, I'd seen enough and then I just remember the only other game that I, well for that pre-season then we went into the Blackpool game didn't we where after that, everyone was going, hey, this Delhi. Yeah, he's all, he's all right, isn't he? And then, and then after Kiev, we were going, hey, 
Paul Stratton. Fellas, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cindy. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. Some of the looks on the Kia players' face. You'd clearly not been told about any of this. They're like, "Who's this fella?" Everybody was told about it. Like we had Michael McIntyre dancing, dancing up and down the touchline, didn't we? In his in his big mascot costume. It was just, it was just all a very all a very bizarre day that yeah. one. But I, I, th- I think as Paddy <laughs> rightly says, you know, when you when you go into the summer, it's just like right at the start selling your best player when you've just only just escaped relegation. You do find yourself in trouble if you've not got a really strong, coherent recruitment plan afterwards. The, the, there was a lot of, you know, you know when we were signing Dwight McNeil, for example, and, you know, not to throw him under the bus or anything because he obviously had a really good second half of the season at, least, at, at the very least. But when Everton signed Dwight McNeil, everybody accepted it because they were like oh well he's not the Richarlison replacement somebody else is gonna somebody else is coming in to be the Richarlison replacement we couldn't really afford to do that like we like it and it, it goes the same going into this summer as well Everton have got a, an even tighter budget going into this summer than they did last summer they need they need to use every single penny of that budget to sign somebody who's going to improve the first team right from the off and I think that was a real issue that compounded the exit of Richarlison. We kind of settled for, he'll be good for the squad for now. We, we didn't really need that. We needed, like, like even the signing of Mope, I, I, like, I understand the rationale behind it, but he was never going to be the person who could step in and replace Calvert-Lewin, which is kind of what we need now as well. Like, they didn't really try to do that, as far exactly. as I'm aware. Yeah, they actually exactly. looked to find somebody who could dovetail with... And in effect, just come on late in games and be a bit of a nuisance. And admittedly, he can be a nuisance both for Everton and for for, 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 fans, yeah. for, for fans and for players of opposition teams, as we we saw with Zinchenko. Actually, that's an underrated moment from the season. Him him winding Zinchenko up. That was the moment I realised that Arsenal were absolutely rattled by 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 Dyche's Everton. Um, but no, no, very very difficult. And actually, if we'd been recording this podcast after an Everton relegation we'd have been looking back probably at the start of the season that period where Anthony Gordon's playing off front as yeah. a false nine and I think false in big capital letters, yeah. letters there has been one of the moments that kind of swung it against Everton because because of the finances they didn't actually have a striker through the door until after the Leeds United game as it happened at least in terms of registration um, <laughs> So just kind of crazy, like they ended up in this position where they've, they've they've got no strikers, and then they ended the season with somebody playing out of position up front and wingers a fullback and central midfielders a fullback. So it's almost like we were, we came full circle, and the, the squad depth frailties that were there in June, June, July, August were still there at the end of the the campaign, and and again that's going to be really difficult to rectify. Um, we started the season then with Chelsea one 0 home. Um, I think people were relatively content with the performance that day, weren't they? And you know, accepted the Chelsea what we thought were going to be a good side this season. I think and... we should have won that. Yeah. Genuinely, I, yeah. like looking back on that game, like I think I said it at the time as well. Like Everton should have won that game. Like it was a it was a stupid penalty to concede, but that was really the only mistake that that, that they made throughout that game, and they were punished for it. Fair enough, but. 
Yeah, I, I still think Everton should have should have really got more out of that. Yeah. I, I, I did find that as a big disappointment. That was one of the themes of that early part of the season. The margins were so tight yeah. because of what they couldn't do in the final third that every single mistake was punished. And it, sometimes it wasn't even big stuff. Yeah. It was just a case of not tracking a runner or tracking a runner a bit too late. Against Aston Villa, for example, Danny Ings' goal is fantastic and he, he always tends to do that against yeah. Everton, as, as we know, but not, not a particularly bad performance in spells. There were always signs that if they had a proper striker, they could do something. The problem is that the, the proper striker came three quarters of the way into the season. Probably about two thirds actually, but then he was playing with a dislocated shoulder somehow for part of it, which was which was another issue. But just again, it's just just it, it's all the things mount up and lead to to kind of where they got to, and um, the lack of a strike in that early part absolutely killed them. I think yeah, one of the other underrated moments of the season. It just, just, just reminded me was it was it Lampard? He was asked about Carvert Lewin once. He said, "Yeah, he's got three separate injuries." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what's he been doing in training well, today? I, well, I, I, I asked him. Me, so he, I think Calvert Lewin. Made his comeback from injury against Newcastle. Can't remember what month Late it was season. in. Or, or away, do you mean? Away. So that would have been uh, October the 19th. Yeah. Right, yeah. So he, I think he made his No, he, he, came, he came on as a sub against United at the home, yeah. didn't he? He later started on. his yeah. first game against Newcastle. And I asked him after the game about how carefully you're having to manage Calvert Lewin. And he says, well, we're not allowing him to do shooting drills in training. <laughs> In case he pulls his hamstrings, like how have we got to this point? It's, it's all very Ledley King, that isn't it? Um, but like, they lost a bit, like you said, and then we drew four in a row against Forest at home. Then Brentford leads away, and then the derby against Liverpool, where Mopo played a front, and we all thought, um, looks alright, this lad. He obviously missed that those two major chances, but um, I think it was his first game. We sort of let him off a little bit with that. Um, and then we beat West Ham 1-0 where he scored a really good goal yeah. yeah. and then we went to Southampton and won 2-1 and um, we had the best defence in the league Adam at that point and everything mm-hmm. seemed to be doing okay we were, I think we were 7 unbeaten in all competitions at that stage as well um, and there's, there's that picture of Lampard walking away from the away end and everyone thought there we go this is, this is, this is where it's all going to turn around well we had the best Jordan Pickford in the league at that, <laughs> at that point we were making 50 blocks a game which is always sustainable and Jordan Pickford was pulling out about three worldy saves a game again, which is also very just, sustainable. We just trying to ignore all that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, they were halcyon days, True, <laughs> truly halcyon days in this season. But yeah, uh, even then, though, I still think there was some disappointments in that, like the Forest game in particular. Like, if Everton had gone down this season, and thank goodness they didn't, obviously, but if Everton had gone down, then I would have pinpointed the two Forest games as the ones that sent Everton down. Everton should have got six points out of those games. And to only come away with two was hugely disappointing. And, you know, in, in that home game to need... It was a last-minute goal from a Jordan pick for the assist. Like, literally just... Through at the end, by the way. Yeah, that, that was the game after where, like, all the Chelsea stuff had started, wasn't it? And, like, everyone thought, like, he's actually going to leave now. Yeah. He went through and he just boosted the ball straight to... Dean Henderson's face, I think. And he did like a Tim Howard star jump, didn't he? Yeah. Well. He could have just put it underneath him. Yeah. 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 So even then, there were, there were just some there were some disappointments in that. The Leeds game as well. Probably probably could have could and should have got a, a, a win out of that, despite Jesse Marsh's 
huge complaints about time wasting at the end. I actually love that, by the way. Yeah. I actually reckon he was sore the next day because he was constantly having to point at the other side of his side of his body. Do you know what? Do you know what game and that's why like really did worry me though. It was the Brentford away one because yeah. we got a draw and I mean, I know we were winning until quite late on, but we got like yeah. absolutely smashed them. We like we had, we had they had the post three or four times in the yeah, game, didn't, yeah. we, didn't they? Did we have to bring on Michael Keane in that and go five at the back yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at some points as well. Like that was. Yeah, that was, that that was all that was all quite bad. But then, you know, I I reached the Liverpool game at that point, and then that was made done for <laughs> for reporting on the club. So uh, I, again, I was in this kind of period of zen at this point, uh, and yeah, like it did, there were obviously problems, but it didn't it didn't feel like it was going to get as bad as it did yeah. the actually, previous season, did it? Probably not. And I know some people don't place great stock in stats, but quite a lot of the stats were showing you that this was a really bad Everton team. And like in terms of goals conceded versus like the quality of chances conceded. I mean, Adams mentioned Jordan Pickford there. I think that the start of the season you saw a superlative Jordan Pickford, as good as any we've we, we've we've had. I would argue he was he was effectively just pulling off worldy after worldy save, wasn't he? Um, and that was why. The table was almost a bit false at that point, particularly after the Southampton game. They were always conceding a lot of chances. I kind of felt as though if they managed to get through to a point where reinforcements had come in, then they might things might just level out and they might just be all right. But it never seemed to happen. The cavalry never quite seemed to to arrive. And I think by the time of the two Bournemouth games, that was when for me. All of a sudden, I'm thinking. Not only is this, is this team bang in trouble, but they actually could get relegated because it was what seven-one on aggregate yeah. against Bournemouth at the Vitality Stadium. I never ever want to go to that place ever again. <laughs> it's, it's like it, it, it's basically hell on earth. Been the one me. small comfort of relegation, one that not going there next season. Yeah, and Junior Stanislas has <laughs> left as well, so yeah. they, things are genuinely the looking. curse is broken with him yeah, going. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe we did break the curse on the final day. Who knows? Yeah. Can I just clarify the one thing that we've kind of breezed over from that Chelsea game is that Everton somehow managed to injure two of their centre-backs yes. in, in, in one game with very serious injuries because I was just thinking to myself, if Yeri Mina was just fit for, for the first bit of that season, I don't think it would have been as bad and like, it, 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 it might have been okay. He might not even sign him, he might do that. Well, yeah, yeah but he, he like, injured himself, didn't he? He did like uh, this yeah. weird exaggerated yeah. shimmy on the side of the pitch and then got injured in the in the process. Yeah. The, the Godfrey one was obviously, it was it was a horrible injury, which he precipitated actually with a, with a bad yeah, back pass yeah. that he had to scramble to yeah. recover. And probably we've not seen Godfrey at the physical levels of the past now for, for quite some time and that's obviously had a massive impact on him that's very evident to lose two players yeah. I mean in the first half was it? yeah, yeah. yeah. within like yeah. the first half hour I'm sure yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was bad like, so we beat Southampton 2-1 on October the 1st then we lose our own to United away to Spurs away to Newcastle and then we beat Palace 3 0, where everyone thought, oh, and we scored that goal, which lovely pass and move and, That's and what stuff. gives Lampard the stay of execution, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then after that, we draw a full loop. And then we go into that World Cup break, as you said, with a loss to Leicester at home. Leicester looked really good that night, actually. And then they absolutely battered us with Mar. Um, yeah. But I was going to say Marnes, Marnes and Madison. <laughs> Madison and Barnes <laughs> playing, playing really well. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> and then, of course, and then, of course. <laughs> 
we have uh, a 3-0 at Bournemouth. Look at some of those games there, like, remembering at the time. Like, that United game at home came after the Southampton one. Yeah. And I remember, like, optimism. I remember in the build-up to, like, so many people talking about the best defence in the league. And, like, Lampard was asked about it at his press conference and he was talking it up. And, like, that game... I just felt like he he was, he was so bought into it because we yeah. scored that early on, didn't we? Yeah. And the goal, the goal, well, like goal. eight minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. But like the goal comes from like being on the front foot and like pressing high up and like trying to get in behind them. Yeah. And then after we do that, it's like they just sort of got caught between like pressing and not pressing because like the yeah. two goals come from like us losing the ball in midfield, not going after it, but the fullbacks being dead eye up. But it was but like also the worst hundred meter race I've ever seen between <laughs> Conor Cody and Cristiano. <laughs> Yeah. Conor Cody seems to be running backwards and yeah. Ronaldo was only just about moving forwards but, but like I suppose it's, it's in hindsight now we can all sit here and say Bournemouth's when it should have really ended for, for Frank but I mean at the, at the time were you both in that mindset is because yeah. I, think, I mean you, you're both both nodding now but like I remember sort of saying like the average should give him the boot now or give him to the end of the season but obviously it got to a point where it could, that could never have been the case but is, is this just something everyone's saying in hindsight? Not, no. Not, not only was I completely because I, I remember I was in I was weirdly in Lincoln with me dad and, <laughs> with me dad and my brother uh, when it, essentially yeah. Sorry, we lost four one in the cup, uh-huh. didn't we? And then three nil in the league, yeah. and that was in four days. So the three nil game, I was I was in Lincoln. I was watching Lincoln against Plymouth for for reasons I can't explain. But uh, we we were all there watching that, and then after the game, we we went for a few pints around Lincoln, and I not I not only said to me dad and my brother then that Lampard should get sacked, I also said they should bring in Dyche because I, I just I just didn't see how Dyche could do worse <laughs> than Lampard. Like it, like give him the same squad of players. There's no way that he does worse. And I, I really do think that, you know, obviously it's a cliche that a lot of fans have said from from that point onwards, but we probably don't get beat by Wolves. We probably don't get beat by Southampton. Like, you know, we, we, we might still get beat by Brighton, but I don't think it's as it's as heavy or as embarrassing as, as, as it is. Like, it's, it, it's just a real shame that, to see... Other teams make the decisions before that World Cup break and see it pay off so well. What Wolves? Yeah, Wolves yeah, is Villa. the perfect example. Yeah. Villa, you know, obviously it didn't really work out for Southampton, but you know they've been they've had the worst squad in the league for a long, long time. But yeah, to see to see a team like Wolves, that was the perfect juxtaposition, wasn't it? When they came to us on Boxing Day, they'd made the decision before the World Cup break. We kind of knew the decision was coming, but. We, we could never pinpoint when and Wolves obviously beat us on Boxing Day like and, and even then like it was right should he get sacked now and then that, that's just started every game like even even drawing against Man City straight after that like that was as like as you said before a bit of a stay, stay yeah. of execution but it shouldn't have been like you, you, you can't, you can't just say, "Oh, he's got a draw against Man City." <laughs> it, that, that really eradicates yeah. losing to the bottom of the league at home. It, uh, like it, it, it was just never going to work out like that. And I, I just can't believe that Lampard was able to cling on for as, as long as he did. To be yeah. honest, and yeah, I, I, like we can also, we can all say after that Bournemouth game, that was, that was the time. But there were so many opportunities from that Bournemouth game to the point that he actually did get sacked, where it would have been just so much better to yeah. sack him yeah. anyway. 
It was obviously a unique season insofar as you've got a World Cup right in the middle of it. And bizarrely, that and perversely, that might have actually saved Everton. Yeah. Because if Lampard had had even more fixtures between November and January, it might have got past the point of return. Yeah. Um, so there's that. So do we get to look at that break of the chance to sort of him to reset as opposed to for yeah. the, the club to reset a little bit? Probably. And also, I think there was a feeling internally that A, there wasn't much money, so they couldn't really afford a payoff. And B, there's been such a cycle of churn over the last few years that ideally they want to at least try and stick to something it was, it was popular internally seemed to buy into the um, the ethos of the club all that kind of stuff he, he was playing a brand of football that they felt they could try and get on board with so all that bought him more time even being popular with the media for example I think that helps um, the Bournemouth game scared me I found it frightening purely because I looked at the, the two respective squads on the day of the game and what I saw from the Wolves squad was it was Adama Traore and Raul Jimenez and Mateus Nunes. I think Ait Nori came off and came off the bench and scored. I think they'd already agreed to sign Cunha as well. They'd already, agreed, point, to, yeah. already agreed to sign Cunha. And Everton had nothing in the in the first eleven, never mind the bench in terms of changing matches. So to see that kind of in stark relief from a side that I think headed into the game bottom of the table that was I think that was a real kind of worrying sign in the season um, and a, a kind of an indication of how far off Everton have dropped in terms of depth and quality and I mean I know a lot of people talk about sides that are too good to go down and clubs that are too good to go down I think we're talking purely about Everton's stature there actually the, the squad that we saw it, it's far worse than Leicester's and Leicester went. Oh, yeah. It's far west. I would argue in some ways, not in defence, because Leeds' defence is a, 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 abysmal, but in the forward areas, you'd rather have Leeds as attackers than Everton's. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break, because when we come back, we're going to have to talk about sackings, um, board statements, headlocks and in inverted commas, uh, and all of that. So we're going to quickly get a drink, and then we'll be right back here on the Blue Room with our season review. Network. 